Hello, hello, Chitty Chats with Git Cats number, what's this, number 45, I do believe. And um, folks, I need to point out something. I've been doing these live to YouTube for a little while now, and I've had a few people saying, man, YouTube's cool and all, but we'd really like to be able to listen to these at work on the podcast sites. So I've just started uploading all my old episodes up to all the usual places like iTunes, all the Apple podcasts and Spotify, that kind of thing. I think I've uploaded about 20 of them now and this is number 45. So I've still got a bit to go. So if you have just found me by listening to the podcast, um, I'd really appreciate it if you went over to my YouTube page and um, subscribe there and hit the like button, all that kind of stuff, um, because all that stuff matters. And vice versa, if you're somebody who likes to watch these on my YouTube but can't have access to that, you'd rather just have your uh, phone in your pocket and listen to, listen to them because they can go for a while, um, you can find me on those places. But there's somebody at my door, ding dong. Who have I got? Let's have a look. It is Danny Gomez. Hey, Danny. How are you, man? How are you? Thanks for having me. No problem. Danny is the guitar player for the We Will Rock You show, the Queen musical, and also a uh, designer for Orange Amplifier and uh, has his own branch, Omec, uh, over there. Um, I hope I got all that right. If not, I'm sure he's going to clarify it for me. But, <laughs> <laughs> Danny, whereabouts are you, mate? Uh, well, we have a crazy situation here in Spain, so I locked down in my studio, tried to keep creative and do this kind of thing as uh, usual as possible and chat with friends and talk about gear, about music, about my career, about your career, and I think that is the best that we can do with this kind of yeah, situation. So Absolutely. keep creative and be connected with friends. Yep, yep. And this is great, man. I've made friends all around the world doing this because I might be on the Gold Coast in um, Australia, but man, I can jump on here. It's actually a Friday night here. And what better way to spend my Friday night than to chatting to like-minded people from around the world. I agree. Danny, I'm going to jump in and start off by asking what I ask most people. And that is, how did you get the guitar bug, mate? How did you start playing guitar? Okay, I think that it was around 28 years, something like that. Yeah, 28 years. 28 uh, years. 28 years, I guess. Yeah, it's, I spent the most of my life with a guitar around, so <laughs> I feel quite old right now. I'm 42 right now. So I've, I found Queen music, and I decided I wanted to be Brian May. Not just play Queen, I wanted to be Brian May, but being the position taken I just des- I decided to go to be second best that was <laughs> my I yeah I only wanted I only want to play that music I, in my mind I decided okay I want to play this thing but I never tried so I decided I wanted to play guitar I decided I wanted to play that music but I never tried so I started playing the usual stuff and going better and better and I started playing with different like artists, or singer-songwriters, bands, and everything. But I always keep that Queen thing in my mind because it was like the forbidden music. It's like you can only hear that thing. It can inspire you in a way. 
but you are not worth to play this Olympus music. So it was wow. all, yeah, it was my goal, but at the same time, it was my course. I couldn't play that thing. I never played a Queen song until 2003. So before that, I was playing with artists, doing, doing well, in fact, or cover bands or touring in Latin America or wherever, but without playing a Queen song, never. So wow. in 2003, while I was on tour in Mexico, uh, I missed the We Were Rocky musical show uh, castings in Madrid. They started the production in London the year before, and they moved that to Madrid. And when I came back, my best friend ever, my Uber friend, my neighborhood, uh, my pal, uh, say, you know what? Uh, they picked me for the We Were Rocky show. Say, no way, mate. I'm super happy for you. I will go to the theater and see you, and I will cry with you. No, no, but I need, I need a, a cover. I need someone to cover me when I couldn't do the show. Uh, would you mind to do that? I say, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. I can do that. I can do that. I don't know how, but I can do that. So I had to learn from zero Queen songs to 25 songs in a week or so. Wow. That's a lot of songs yeah. to learn, particularly you know, something like Brian May, which is quite quite intricate. It's not just about the playing. That I, I was, I'd say, 95% capable of playing that stuff. But they asked me, you can read. And I say, of, of course I can read, but never made, n nobody means solfeggio. So I can read, yeah, I can read. Uh, but I couldn't read any music. So I had to prepare 25 songs by ear, trying to find what was my guitar because there were two guitar players at the same time in the show. Yeah. So I had to figure out what was my part and prepare everything. Uh, but I did that. And it started my We Will Rock You like trip from uh, being a cover to ending in 2008 as a main guitar player. So it was a, it took some time, it evolved, I did some other work in the middle, but that was my goal. So uh, 12 years ago, we did the last show of the We Will Rock You musical in Madrid. And this year, it was supposed to come back to Madrid. So maybe it happens uh, later this year. Maybe it happens the next one. But We Will Rock You will be here in Spain again. And as, far, as far as I know, I'll be there rocking you all if you come to see us. Very cool, very cool. Man, to learn, how many did you say, 20, 25 songs in a week? 25, yeah, yeah, more or less, yeah. What did you use? Was there any software that you used in particular to loop things or to slow things down? Because I know how I learned well, all the stuff. I'm interested uh, how you do it. It was, tw uh, yeah, 17 years ago. So 17 years ago, there wasn't all the same tech that we have now. I had no access to something to slow down the thing. I got the CD and the guitars were well panned in the mix. So I turned one speaker out and I used the other to figure out my part and I play it and play it and play it over the thing day and night until I got it. Uh -huh. That's it, there was no chance to, to slow down the thing because it was a CD and I had no chance to, to slow down a CD because you cannot put the CD like moving slower than it should. It's not a vinyl, it's not a cassette. So yeah, yeah. I was condemned. I only had that CD and the CD player 
play, stop, play, stop, rewind, play, stop, play, stop. Wow. Okay. I guess I was lucky when I learned all the parts of the Brian May parts that um, there was a couple of things that you probably didn't have access to. One was a piece of software called uh, Transcribe that okay, is... I know that. You know that one? Yeah. So you're able to I slow things... Now. You know I know that, that now. One. Yeah. I would slow things down. No, this was before I had Transcribe. I used Logic and I would slow things down in Logic and adjust the pitch because... It became obvious to me that Queen were the type of band that, going back to tape days, after they'd recorded, would adjust the pitch and go, no, it's too slow. Let's speed up the tape just a little. Because yeah. I noticed that the pitch discrepancies, did that throw you out a little bit, that some songs weren't quite concert pitch? There are two or three of them that is clearly evident, like A Hammer to Fall or Another One by the Dust or Seven Seas of Rye that are clearly in between, it's like in between, just there, like an old Van Halen record, this type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Tell you what else wasn't around back then for you would have been um, YouTube with just the isolated guitar tracks. That was a big thing for me to be able to learn the parts was you can basically go onto YouTube now and put in Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody, isolated guitar, and you'll find it. Yeah, uh, well, or even having the uh, multi-track sessions. Now I, I have all the multi-track sessions. So if I need something, I only have to go there. Or when I prepare the the backing music, when we do the Queen, the Queen show that we produce with A Night at the Opera, that is the show that we keep on running. Uh, we did Rainbow, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow singer, Ronnie Romero, is one of my best friends. And, and when we play that A Night at the Opera shows, imagine that, a big boys like running singing queen wow. it's quite a yeah it's quite a situation uh -huh. uh, so when when i was preparing all the pre-recorded music that we use in that shows mainly the pianos and the synths and everything i moved into the original recordings to get the idea and reproduce the piano reproduce the scenes or get the sounds of the little bells and whistles yep. it's super useful to have that stuff right now but Back to the day, 17 years ago, there was nothing like that. It was everything was like mysterious in a way. Yeah. Or even even having a proper replica because the the uh, Brian May guitars are the, well, there were burns at the at the day. Uh, there was something super recent. It was like I managed to get one, and we had two or three more of them at the show, but it was quite a quite strange. Uh, gear to have. So if you were in a Queen tribute show, you maybe were doing it with an SG guitar or or Les Paul guitar, something similar but not so similar. Yeah. And now we have access to amazing replicas and amazing pieces of gear that make you sound better. We were talking uh, before connecting live right now about uh, using the right gear or not to do the kind of stuff. I, I came with my own things, my own designs and everything to be able to, to have this tone. But now you, are, you can go for the real, you can access the very same gear that Brian used right now, the same modded amps, the same treble booster, yep. even the same guitars in a way. Yep. I, I think I mentioned to you off camera that um, uh, Greg Fryer actually sent me prototypes of treble boosters to me to check out before he'd send him to Brian to, uh, so you talk about using the actual gear. Yeah, man, it doesn't get much closer than that. Speaking of gear, exactly. when you first started doing it, 
Um, what type of gear were you using when you started with, with the show? Well, uh, at the We Were Rocky show, the good thing is that being the first franchise of the original London one, uh, they brought all the staff from the UK. Every little detail, every, whatever was from the UK. So we got some Barnes guitars, we got some box ACSRTs, we got some treble boosters. I think that were Pete Cornish ones. Mm-hmm. Real Pete Cornish treble boosters for the show. It was yep. crazy. Uh, and a couple of good boss pedals for covers, a line selection and tuning and everything, and a load and acoustic guitar, and that was all. Right? But we got full volume blasting uh, box ACSRTs isolated under a stir absolutely far from us wow. but you can yeah it's like full volume ac30 well that's how he does it and man. exactly yeah when when brian ke- used to came to the show he had uh, a box ac30 full volume at the stage and singers couldn't even get the note it was like that volume that can yeah it can blast your head yeah yeah it's like clean but loud it's like acdc tone it's like it's not very distorted it's loud yeah yeah cool kind of thing cool i mean an ac30 is a very loud amplifier and to know that he absolutely dimed them and then used the treble booster um i did try the treble booster on several other amps um the Egnator tweaker springs to mind that isn't really a high gain amp but you put yeah. that treble booster in front of it, and man, that does some cool things to it. It really does. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, an uh, underrated pedal, the, the, the treble booster, because it looks like old and vintage-oriented thing, but it's an amazing piece of gear. Gives your amps more gain, obviously, more dynamics, more control. You can do whatever you want with the volume knob, mm. and you're good to go. It's like you don't need a two-channel amp anymore, or I don't need it. It's like... Probably is because uh, I'm absolutely into Queen music and it's my favorite tone ever. So I'm in heaven with this kind of gear. But when I had the, the opportunity to use my Brian May related gear to record for someone else, it's like, okay, if you want a Les Paul and a Marshall stack and with that, I, I bring that stuff, I connect and I record that. Uh, but if you want the ultimate tone, and if 99% of the time is why you call me, it's like you call me because you want that Brian May tone, but you cannot afford Brian May. Yeah. Like, okay, I need these stuff. I need the harmonies. I need the, the solo thing. I need some chordal thing. I need the clean, almost crunchy thing on a Brian May mood. But I don't have Brian May. It's like, okay, but I, I have these guys that can do the trick for me. So. Yep. Yep. If you call me 99% of the time, you want me with the red special, with the travel booster, with the box ACSRT or my signature preamp or something like that. Okay. Did you use the coin? Yep. Yep. I did too. Right there. Exactly. I have one of these from the Back to the Light uh, tour that was my very first uh, show. Uh, the Back to the Light tour in Madrid in 1993, I think, was my first show. So I got one of that coins with the face and the Back to the Light inscription. And I decided to keep that one for the ultimate guitar. So next year I will receive 
a new red special, a relic one with all the details. And I kept that coin from 1993 for the guitar. Wow. Do you know what the closest to the old, it's a sixpence, isn't it, that he uses? Is that what it's called? Yeah. English sixpence? Which yeah. were, went out of circulation a long time ago. And he makes his own now. He has his own minted, I believe, to get that that sound and the serrated edge. Do you know what the closest coin in the world to the old English sixpence is? What? Australian five cent piece. No way. Yep. So I had a friend, uh, my friend Jean, gave me a bag full of five cent pieces that her father had collected and she hadn't taken to the bank. And I had just this limitless supply of them. And funny thing is, like the last show I ever did with the Queen Show, we played with um, a big festival, and the, the headlining act was an Australian group called Ice House, and they were really big in the '80s here. And they sort of gotten back together in recent years, and we played with them. And the singer cornered me after the show and said to me, "Man, I am just the biggest Brian May fan. You were using the coins." And I'm like, yeah, it was. And he goes, I know, because I was looking around everywhere and you had coins stashed everywhere because I would drop them a lot. So I'd have them over there, over there. And, whoop. and he said while they were playing, he's nudging the guys in the band and saying, look, look. And they didn't know what he was talking about. But um, yeah, it was quite interesting to find out he was such a, a big fan of Brian May and asked to use my guitar and everything and have a bit of a play. Uh, but that coin is such a big part of the sound. Would you agree? It is. It is, it is, is that, uh, especially for the clean stuff and the crunch stuff where, where you can use the serrated edge to get kind of chorus thing. If you play under pressure, you need this. Yes. <laughs> yes. You need this, this thing. If you're playing full game mode or you're playing solo, it's great because it will never bend like a pig. So it's great for the attack, it's great for the rake, is great for the prevent, is great for many, many things. But where it shines, in my opinion, is for the clean stuff uh, that takes a, a whole new level. It's like to have really a, a, an extra chorus uh, level. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can hear it. When I listen to Queen, uh, especially in the cleaner stuff where he's wound back his volume, we are the champions when the, when the guitar first comes in. You can hear that. I call it a chirp. It's just a little sound that happens. And you need to use the coin to get his sound, man. You need. Yeah. But at the first, at the first time that you switch the pick for the coin, it's quite quite strange. You need some time to accommodate in a way, and you won't be using the coin with any other guitar that is not the red special. So it's like, okay, I use picks for everything but a coin for the red special so yep. it's, it's strange it's like there are there are things or you use the treble booster for the red special but you use a regular booster or an overdrive for a les paul or my stromberg or whatever yeah so i there are certain things that i only use with the red special yeah yeah i always found the switching brian's little dip switches quite awkward and i would always just leave it i've read that he said he would use the bridge and middle pickup both on at the same time, 80% of yeah. the time. And that's what I use most of the time. Um, I tried using the setting of the, the Bohemian Rhapsody setting, uh, one of the pickups yeah. out of phase, and it just sounded terrible in my hands. 
Neck is neck and middle with uh, with one, any of them out of phase. Out of phase, yeah. I think that, that Brian May settings are great for the studio, are great and is useful in the production situation or a mix situation to place guitars in different places without the need of move the level or the EQ or whatever. Yep. But in a live situation, maybe you're kicking the PA uh, tech in the balls. It's like you check, you change the pickup and suddenly it's in another spot or yeah. different level or frequency, you're kicking that guy in the ball. So I tend 99% to keep the bridge and middle. Uh, and if I need more treble, more bass or more whatever, I do that with my hands. Yeah. It's like applying more palm muting or whatever or moving the, the, the coin to a different part of the string to get more trebly uh, around the bridge or are playing with my finger over the fretboard to get more body or whatever. But I don't try to switch uh, parts and switch pickups. So it's quite a complex thing. Maybe you're doing tons of different stuff. It's like, and you know that if uh, at the musical show we were two guitar players uh, to play the exact thing because it was more record oriented in a way. In, li in a live situation, if you're doing Brian, doing Brian live, doing Queen live, it's so elastical, you can do different things. But if you want to play, let's say, I don't know, Akana Magic, the Akana Magic solo never was played like on the record live by Brian, never, because it was a different song, it was a rock and roll thing. Uh, so it's more, yeah, it's a rock and roll thing, you can play a rock and roll feels all over the way and play some licks of the original solo, you're good to go. But imagine if you had to play something that two guitar players playing live every night, like their kinematic solo, everything panic. And you have to play everything by yourself, being just one guitar player. At the same time, you have to switch two or three pickups in and out of phase. There are many things to do. So it's like, okay, yeah, keep on focusing, playing the music, with the right attitude, otherwise you will be a scientist trying to do have everything into perfection. Yeah, I will keep the regular setting. I will do my best. I will focus to play that crazy stuff with the coin in style, with the right attitude, looking good on stage. I think that's far from enough for that take. If you yeah. have to switch pickups and everything, it's, it's a sure disaster to me. Wait. Were you using the uh, Optima Gold Strings? I use them. Yeah? Yeah. They take a long time to stretch in. Yeah. That, that, yeah. After that, they will keep that way forever. Okay, so it wasn't just me. Because I would put on no. a set and I'd stretch them like I normally would. And I'm like, man, they're not stretching in. That's the secret. It just takes a little bit yeah, longer, the, huh? It takes a little bit longer. After that, it's like it, they have a curve. It's like, okay, they start, they're super thingy at the first, the first two days, they're too thingy. That's too chimney is, is like over treble string. But after that, they stabilize and they keep that way forever after they broke. They have a problem that is the fourth string. This is a nightmare because they tend to break the fourth string that is a strange string to, to break. But you have to uh, you have to keep one or two extra fourth strings 
on for your sets. Aha. Uh -huh. It's well, a you, chorus. Yeah, yeah. When you say fourth string, is that like your D string? You're saying yep. fourth from that? Yeah, yeah. That's the string I, I break most of the time anyway. D, D and A, just the way I, I hit, it's always D really? and A's. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you hit hard. I do hit hard. I do hit hard. I used to have a permanent scab on my finger from where I'd hit it. Really? Yeah, yeah, for many years. I, I, I play uber soft. It's like I play that soft that I usually, when the coin falls from my hand, is because it's too soft. It's not like me playing this way and the coin yeah. flying. No, no, it's like, I, I, I miss okay. the coin. That's it, interesting. It, yeah. That's interesting. I was surprised. I thought playing with a coin would really dig through the strings and, and break a lot, but I didn't break a lot of strings. Um, no. No, it's strange. It, no. You'd think metal, metal on metal would cut through, but no, not yeah. at all. Did you use a wireless? Uh, I use that in the past. It depends. It's like if, if we're talking about a big production and the uh, stage uh, requires me to run all over the place, I will do that. I will use pretty whatever. It's like uh, Line 6 is good, Sennheiser is good, Sure is good. I have uh, different, but I, regular, I, I don't have wireless units here with me or in my... Uh, warehouse or wherever it's like if production needs me to do what to go wireless it's like okay get wherever fits you wherever fits you with the frequencies or the cities or the countries that we will be visiting because you never know you can have an amazing uh, wireless pack that works in europe and you go to the united states and suddenly the frequency that you want to use is the police or the yeah the fbi so it's like if you want me to go wireless this is my guitar and this is my pedal board. Put whatever you want in the middle and I will make it sound great. Yeah. The reason I ask about the wireless is with the treble boosters, it needs to be the very first thing in the chain yes, for sir. the volume, for it to work with the volume rolling down. And so yes. I used to have mine. Brian has custom ones made for his strap. Mine was the floor pedal version. But yeah. I had that strapped onto my guitar strap. <laughs> no way. I really love when I saw people doing that thing because, it, yeah, it really works, obviously. But it was so fun to see. It's like imagine someone playing the guitar with a metal zone on his strap. <laughs> yep, yep. That's essentially what it was. I had a pedal on my back um, and, the, and the wireless transmitter as well. This was before I got the other Line 6 one that just plugs directly into your output jack. And... Yep. Yeah, it was quite heavy to have all that. Uh, I went as far, like, you you didn't dress up and try and look like Brian or anything like that. That was my thing. Um, I never any... did that, but I, I'm, as mentioned, I really respect the people that do that. It's not my thing, but I really admire that and the level of detail that people put in that dress and costumes and even the gear. I really respect that. I watched all the videos to get the moves. I had to raise my guitar. I'm, I'm quite tall, I'm almost six foot three. Uh, and I used to wear, wear my guitar really low all my life. And I had to raise the, the height of it to get it the same height as Brian and learn all the stances and everything. All the, um, wow. Yeah. And it's only recently that I realized that a big part of some of the troubles I was having in my shoulder and thing was because I raised and I had to hold my arm up high rather than just let it 
fall down to where it used to yeah. used to fall. Um, Amplitude, the Brian May pack. Okay. I I recently got a hold of that and I was blown away at. at um, it is good, yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it is good. I, dude, I just released a cover of Joe Satriani, Always With Me, Always With You, that I did. Oh, wow. um, and I used the new Satriani pack. And I recorded it before I had the pack, knowing it was coming out um, for, for IK Multimedia. And when they sent me the reviewer copy and I pressed play and used the preset, that was a fuck me that sounds exactly like it that was amazing and the queen stuff i went to have a look at that and then i saw that you'd done some some playing for it right yeah it's like the last nam show uh i had the idea it was a crazy idea uh of putting together brand made guitars and i came multimedia to release the the amplitude brand made uh software so they contact me, I contact them, we started chatting. It was like, I have to be there uh, working with Orange and Omec and doing my own stuff. Uh, what if we release this thing with a proper guitar, with amazing uh, original backing tracks and do something special? I say, okay, we're all in when we prepare something great for the NAM show. So I think that the full video uh, it's on YouTube, uh, the IK Multimedia channel, where I explain every little detail with a big screen. Uh, I really enjoy the I really use it, uh, especially the Dicky amp, because it's something that is over complicated to have a real Dicky amp microphone with you, so it's super useful. I really like the effects, and I really like the cabinet emulation of the preamp. Uh, I'm more into the analog stuff, let's say the uh, real travel booster, and a real uh, box ACSRT preamp or my own signature one. But yeah, give me a sec. This is the travel booster that is, uh, yeah, replicated digitally on the software, these very units okay. like okay. this. So you have this pedal on your software and it sounds great. But if you try the original one in front of the software without the travel booster emulation, it sounds 1,000 times better. Why? Because to replicate a treble booster digitally is not replicating an overdrive. It makes more noise, makes, is, is different. So in my experience, and this is only my experience, to use the software with a real treble booster in front of that makes a huge difference. Again, if you use a treble booster and an analog preamp, so let's say this combo, if you use this treble booster and analog preamp, and you use the the cabinet emulation and the effect, it's even better. Wow. So whatever, yeah, it has, for example, it has a red special emulator in case you don't have a red special. That is over useful if you don't have a red special. But if you have a red special or several, in my case, you don't need this virtual pedal. If you have a real travel booster, you don't need this virtual pedal. If you have a pre, you don't need this thing. And I keep the software, not just Amplitude Prime made, that is great as it is, even if I don't use it at all in every little part of it. Like the same that I don't use the, the noise gate or the whatever. Uh -huh. uh, I, I try to use software, integrating it with my uh, analog path. 
That is why I created the Omic Teleport. We can go deeper in this later if you want, but I needed a door to go to the digital domain and back to, to enroll digital software with my analog stuff because there are some things that only work for me in analog. Even having a virtual representation, even having a virtual alternative, I tend to keep things easy. It's like, okay, if I take this and move this enough, here sounds great, I can leave this and forget forever. But in software, you need a preset, you need to recall the whole preset with that. Oh, no, 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 no. I, from, for my work, I use analog booster, analog preamp, and the OMAC teleport to go into the software. And if I need virtual cabinets, I will open in the software. If I need digital effects, I will get in the software or wherever. That way I can travel the world with a board this, this big, wow. four pedals. Yep. That's it. Very cool, very cool. I never thought of that. And that does make perfect sense for the OMAC teleport to be used in that situation. I'll get to that in a bit because that is jumping a bit from the whole Brian May thing because um, we've got UK Foo Fighters in the house watching and they want to know, just watched Danny jamming with Brian online in April 2020. How did that happen? Hey, Jay. Good to see you, man. Hey, mate. Uh, it was quite a happy accident. It's like during lockdown, Brian started sharing uh, his tracks, uh, playing in isolation. And we had this crazy idea, my friend uh, Chris, the, the drummer on that track. And I was saying, okay, we wanted to be the best, being the first. It's like there, there was no many people doing that kind of stuff. And we saw that Hammer to Fall track say, it was almost in, in, in we click. It was like good timing, and we say, okay, we can do that. Uh, we can call a bass player. We can play over that with drum, and we can constructing everything. So it looks like live, but we did that remotely, one one at at a time. Uh, so it went very well. That video went viral, and well, I don't know, to the yeah. 250,000 views in YouTube and at the C, at the CBS and New Zealand news. So it was like, boom. And suddenly everybody was doing this kind of stuff. So we, we, we were bored. We did that. We did two or three more songs for fun with friends, with Darren Reeves from the Queen's Travaganza. We invited more and more friends like Mick Ayesa, one of the original Galileos too, from New York. And we started to collaborate with Alirio Neto from the Queen's Propaganda too. So we were adding more fans and friends and people uh, to enjoy during lockdown. And after that, uh, and knowing that Brian was suffering after his, uh, he suffered some from pain in his back, and he had some, heart, some little heart attack. So we decided, okay, we need to go higher, we need to do better, we need to put something together to bring him some joy, some real joy, some, something that nobody did before. So Chris and I started talking about the Brian May Band, how, how we love, like my favorite performance of Brian May, but for Chris was Cosi Powell. So okay, we need to do something involving Brian May and Cosi Powell that bring him some joy. Okay, okay, so we came with this Riven by You thing. And we 
got the, the phone and started calling people, calling people, calling people. We need to do this, calling people, calling people. More friends, more singers that we were rocky stuff. We got Carrie Ellis, that is amazing singer and Brian's friend. We got Ariel, we got uh, the Queen Stravaganza guys. Uh, we got Queen uh, Music, that all the musicians that tour with Roger and Brian. So it's Spike Edney, Neil Faircloud, and Tyler Warren. We got the original Brian Mayvan that was uh, Spike Kenny again, legendary keyboard player for Queen, uh, Jamie Moses, and the bass player that recorded the original track to, there was Neil Murray. Neil Murray, that the uh, Brian May Band, uh, White Snake, Gary Moore. So we put the, all these together uh, to create a Driven By You track for him as a surprise. Nobody knew anything. And even nobody see it finished until it was finished. We sent like, uh, yeah, half-baked backing tracks to, to keep the people like, okay, it will be great. Well, it, maybe, maybe. So nobody knew uh, whoever was involved, the full list until the very end. And it was bang, I sent that to Brian and he was almost in tears. So, wow. yeah, he said, I'm a, I'm a, now I'm a happy man because I had the chance of Phil Howes to die and go back to see your funeral. It's like now you see how the people love you, uh, how the people enjoyed your music in a way. So that were some of the most exciting days of my life. I think that that day and when I recorded with Brian in 2006 and I received his tracks and I played that together, my Pro Tools, and I said, oh my God, he played in my gaps. So as we, sent you, we sent him a full version with everything but the solo and a version with no guitars to feel free to play. That, that's an, an old story, but uh, we recorded Too Much Love Will Kill You in Spanish with Brian. Wow. And he played in my gaps and harmonized my guitar. So I, th I think that that two moments alone are worth for my whole career. It's like to record with Brian and to record for Brian were the absolute top. Man, after hearing that your whole inspiration of wanting to get into playing guitar was, was Brian May and to actually arrive at that would just be amazing. I, I, yeah, I promise you that. It's like, yeah, it's Brian May here at home. It's like, it's Uncle Brian. It's like, my kids know who Brian May is from the very beginning. And I've been inspired by him in a lot of levels, like on a personal level, on a music, yeah, on a musician level, and as a designer too. It's like when I read about his guitar with his dad, I said, okay, I want to do something similar. I'm horrible with good, uh, but I need to do something with effects or whatever. And and yeah, keep me with that Renaissance man. I want to do things, things, things. So I think that is part, he's half guilty of this crazy activity in my mind regularly. It's like, as you say, it's like, I'm a, yeah, I'm a performer, I'm an artist, I'm a touring musician, uh, I did the Wilburaki show, I work with companies, I do product demos, I do many, many, many things. So I think that is basically brand made spirit in a way. Wow. So, um Jay's just commented in the in the comments there that he knows kind of knows how that feels because he being the frontman of UK Foo Fighters actually got to get up and play with uh, the Foo Fighters 
uh, at one stage. Wow. And yeah, uh, I've, I've seen the footage of that uh, online and wow, just be mind blowing. Like when I started in the Queen show, I wasn't a Queen fan. It was just that they needed a guitar player um, and somebody made the joke of, oh, Rick's tall and skinny. He'd probably look like Brian with the wig on. Exactly, yeah. And when when um, I um, learnt the songs, like I said, I used Logic to slow everything down and then gradually speed it up. So when I learnt it, I was also learning the vibrato slow. And then as it went up in tempo, my vibrato increased. And after I left, I had the sound guy that was with them afterwards uh, stayed in contact. He said, man, they've had a few guys try and replace you, but they just, you've just nailed the feel and the, the vibrato and everything. Just like, like Brian, why, why can't the other guys do it? I said, that's because I learned it slowed down and, and sped it up to get all those nuances. Yeah, okay. That, that makes sense. It's like yeah. to feel someone else's space in a way, boots, uh, makes a lot of work. It's not just to learn the song, especially with someone that is the anti-guitar hero. Uh, it's like he's not pretending to do nothing, and he was both the best guitarist of all times. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that he's not aware or or worried about yeah that list or whatever. He probably liked it a lot, but it's more about the meaning. Like I think that was Jeff Beck that some time ago said. He's like he's the 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 guitar player for the people, and everybody wants to play his riffs and to play his solos. So because they're delicate, they're lovely, they're easy in a way. You see that it's not over complicated. It's more mm. complicated the harmonies, the stuff, and the studio work. But you can enjoy Hammer to Fall in two or three or four different levels. Like you can play the riff, play with the song. You can play the riff with the right inversions because you can play just the riff with A and D and wherever. So you can play the camp version, the riff version, a little bit around the riff and the solo stuff. And you can go the deeper level with the right stuff and the right details and slowing down the, the thing. So I don't see people playing with all respect and loving the guy. I don't see people playing Jeff Beck stuff on the camp version or the middle version. You play 100% or you don't play that at all. Yeah. That's it. I can see people enjoying the Rolling Stones in the camp version, but I don't see the people enjoying the, the Rolling Stones and the 100% little detail, little inversion is not for the people, it's for, it's for the fans or it's for the tribute bands. But Queen, and Brian has this magic that you can enjoy it in two, three, four different levels and enjoy the song the same. It's like I've been playing this stuff for a long time, as I mentioned to you, and I'm still learning songs. Yesterday, I decided to learn uh, Good Old Fashioned Love of All. I never played that, but I wanted to learn a new song with a new style, with a new approach. And having here one Dicky amp, I decided to use the Dicky amp to learn the thing. And I went for the fourth level, okay, I want to learn the details, I want to learn the song, I want to learn the solo, and I want to learn the little tricky mystery details in two days. Why? Because it's what I used to learn. I'm, I've been working in a, in a guitar course that is called the, the Royal Way, and the Royal Way is how I learn to play the guitar, and it's playing Queen songs. If you want to learn the D chord, you can learn the D chord, you can play a camp song, or you can play 
crazy little thing to learn. Uh-huh. And you will, learn, you will learn the same D chord, but you're learning it through music that you love, that you know, and that you can enjoy right now. Otherwise, you're playing a D chord over nothing. D, 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 Yeah, D, right. Very cool. Very cool. So this yeah. was my method. Yeah. Now, you mentioned you got a Diki app. I got a replica. Yeah. You want to see that? Yes, please. Okay. So for those who don't know, a Diki is Brian's little secret weapon that he uses for all these harmonies and his overdubs. And okay. it is something that their bass player, John Deacon, built um, out of parts out of a, a trash star. Wow, look at that. Yeah. It, it is great, by the way. It's handmade. Uh, who, who makes those? Uh, a friend of mine here in Spain. Look at this. Look at the details. It's great. Runs off, an, off a 9-volt battery. Yeah. So he mentioned that he was like building these kind of stuff and asked for some beta testing. And I say, okay, I'm in. And he sent me this one uh, and sounds great. It's like, it is an obscure object, uh, but there are more and more information uh, online. So you can try your own approach and even not being perfect. Uh, it gives you the chance to explore the tiny amp situation and the good thing about that, to have a tiny amp like this is that you can put everything on 10 you can put a carpet over that or you can put it whatever a blanket or whatever to to keep things in a good volume but it's super fun and it mixes great it mixes great when you are uh, recording so as you were grabbing that you pulled your headphones out i just started saying uh to the viewers that in case I didn't know what a Deaky amp is, that it was something okay. that John Deacon, the bass player from Queen, actually built for Brian out of um, parts he found in a, in a dumpster somewhere. Uh, is that the story? Do you know much about the actual original? He used an ELAC speaker, an all, all vintage 60s ELAC speaker, and he fit uh, part of a PCB that he found at the garbage working, uh, working back home. If he saw, uh, he was, uh, yeah, an, an, an electric-oriented guy. So he found a, a part of a PCB of a South African radio and got this PCB and said, okay, it looks like an amplifier. I will fit inside of one of my hi-fi speakers that I have at home and I have an amp. Wow. And that's the, that's the app that Brian used on all his harmony overdubs, yeah? Yeah, because if you try to do harmonies with a box AC30, after three of them, let's see, to play a triad, uh, everything turns messy. It's great to do harmonies with a AC30 uh, for three notes harmony. It's great, you have, you have the root here, the third and the fifth, and it goes very well. Sounds aggressive, sounds big, sounds punchy. But what if you need to do something that is soft or delicate or to be just under the, the main vocal? Because if you're doing harmonies with the box ACSST, you will kick the middle of the mix. But if you need something subtle under the, the, the main, the, the Freddy's vocal, you need something that, that has no big bottom on it. Mm. So you need a smaller speaker in yeah. this case, or you need to prepare, let's say 15 or 20 
tracks, how many tracks do different things. You need something that has no big character as the AC30 has. So they came with this solution and they started doing this. And you, if you hear, you listen good company, for example, you have all that big one, all that is the tiki, all yeah. tracks. Yeah. And there is something about small amplifiers. They just fit into the mix, like you say. They don't take up all that space. He's already got the AC30 taking up the big space. You want something to fill the holes, fill the gaps. And that's yeah. his secret weapon. It Very is, cool. it is. And, and and it works. And I used, I used tiny amps for a long, long time. In the first chance to use something like the real deal. But I had a tiny smoky amp. I remember the smoky amp that was so small that fit into a, a, a cigarette packet. So you have one there, huh? I think that were, they were Australian or, or I missed something. They Is were made in Australia. Were they? I don't think so. I, this one has Japanese writing on it. I bought this in Japan. Ah, uh, no, no. Really? No, no, I think that the, uh, there was a, the original ones were made in Australia, but I'm not sure about that. So I got one of these, the one that is not inside of a cigarette box. Proudly made but, in USA. Oh, wow. Probably made in the USA now? Okay, well, whatever. So I used to, to use one of these smoky amps as my Dicky amp for a long, long time. I still I've have done it. overdubs with that too, man. And exactly, it just fits perfectly in the mix. And yeah, I... That was my little secret weapon, so I'm with you on that. It's not, it's not secret anymore now. <laughs> not for your fans and not for mine either. <laughs> but yeah, that was my Dicky and for a long, long time, I did countless sessions with that. It's like, okay, we have the track ready. Yeah, we need something to fit here in the mix. Uh, I took this tiny thing, put a microphone in front of that, and it, that was it. So apart from... Um playing those, those couple of times with, with Brian. Have you hung out with him socially much? Well, every time that he came to the We Were Rock You show in Spain, I did my best to spend some time together. Okay. Because not just about being my idol, it was like quite an experience to go out, to, to spend five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. And I remember the last night the first season in 2004 and we all went out to a path that was closer for us all the the people working in the production and having their brian having a beer or chatting with us or it was like quite a moment after that we have tried to meet every time that they come to spain on tour uh so yeah Aside the email that there's every two, three weeks, we mail each other or I mail him and he replies me during the night because it's a night owl like me. Uh, we try to keep like in contact, but we almost see each other on tour. So I'm sure that they will be around when we open uh, the We Were Rock show here in Madrid again. So this year, next year, uh, it will occur again. The, one of the reasons I ask is um, a friend of mine is uh, a guitar player in an Australian group called the Baby Animals and the lead singer in his group was married to Nuno Betancourt for about 15 oh, years wow. and when she uh, heard that I was playing Brian May in the Queen show um, yeah, she's like oh, you know I know Brian right and I'm like 
oh, I figured you probably would through Nuno. Nuno. And she said, yeah, he is just the loveliest man you will ever meet. She said, been to his house many times for dinner and he is just lovely. And then she told me a funny story about the first time she ever met, ever met him. And it was backstage at Wembley. And I'm not sure if it was the Freddie Mercury tribute concert or not, but she was backstage at Wembley. So I'm not sure if Extreme were playing or not. And Brian walked up to her with one of his white shirts and said, excuse me, do you mind ironing this for me? <laughs> Thinking that she worked there. And she's like, uh, yeah, I'm Nuno's wife, but yeah, sure. <laughs> but she just said, he's just the loveliest man that you'll ever meet. And every yes. interview that I've seen, he just comes across as just a genuinely nice guy. He is. He's like, he's amazing. You know, with all the stuff that's going on globally right now, I may have seen the last Queen show ever. I know I did see the last time they played live. So just before COVID hit, oh, um, wow. they played in my hometown and I saw the last show before they flew out of Australia. And that's when everything went the way it is. And wow. I don't know if those guys will ever tour again. You know, by the time everything gets gets back as Queen, that is. I don't know either. It's like, I really hope so, uh, but I, there's nothing sure. I really hope so because I know him, I know Roger, and I know that music kept them doing what they do and feeling young and feeling passionate about things. I don't know what can happen if a, a, an animal like this, you take the state out of him. So I really hope for the better that they uh, will be on tour as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. It's just so uncertain times for everybody in that, that whole scene. And I hope it, that isn't the last one, but um, well, the last one they actually have played without any future shows, I got to see them. It was mind-blowing, man. Uh, I quickly yep. I met I met yep. Pete before the show, Pete Melandrone, just quickly. Yep. Um, a friend of mine knows Pete. Um, was tied in with the whole Optima Maxima strings. Um, yeah. yeah, and so I got to meet him and he, yeah, it'd be really nice if they're back out in the road, but mind-blowing show, mind-blowing, absolutely. Yeah, love them. Now, you mentioned before the Omec Teleport and you brought that out. Yeah. That brings me to you as a designer and on gear. Um, okay. How did, you, you mentioned that you, you had your own preamps and things yeah how did you start like, messing with gear uh necessity it was i was on tour with a big latin artist called la quinta Estación, uh and i was we were doing a national tour in spain and we were in barcelona and i was on tour with my box ac30 brian may signature edition amazing uber expensive and everything and someone connected to the wrong electrical phase so we had a fridge noise on my amp. Ah, uh, no. Yeah, before the show. Uh, sound check running and uh, Danny's sound. Uh. So I said, okay, we need to do something. And I used to have a tiny gizmo to practice on the band uh, for long trips and everything. And I say, okay, I got the PA tech and say, you know what? We will use these. I won't tell anybody, and you won't tell 
anybody. But we will use this uh, $30 shitty thing to save the show. And we won't mention this. Okay. And after that show, I say, you know what? We need something like this, but professional. Okay. And I started experimenting with different things. And I released a unit, but just for my personal use. So I created one unit. And I started touring with that unit with no backup because it was like bulletproof. Uh, after one year probably using it, everybody started asking me, especially Queen Tribute bands in Spain and some uh, UK ones. It was a black box with three knobs, uh, gain, tone, and volume, and a switch. That's it. It was a little bit more complicated in that uh, first incarnation, but, well, three knobs and the truth. Uh, but it sounded great directly to the front of the house. You don't need a speaker. You don't need a amp. You can travel light, so people started using it or as an A plan without using their amp or as a B plan. If everything fails or everything explodes, I only have to turn this thing on and I can save the day. Cool. One way or another, it became uh, uber popular. We sold around 500 units of that. That for a tiny guy like me, 500 units is crazy. Wow. So, yeah. So handmade, uh, shipped from my home, uh, one by one, card walks, and yeah, everything done by me in a way. Uh, after all these years, we, res- we decided to bring the original spirit back with this unit, that is the TAE uh, preamp, that is basically the same unit that we released 10 years ago, but with an extra preamp output so you can use it with your uh, input responses if you're into this uh, modern technology. Cool. You can use its own emulated output that is analog, or you can use the preamp output uh, to your amps effects return, or program in, or to an audio interface to your laptop, or to your iPad, or whatever, and you can run uh, input responses or cabinet emulation by whoever. And it was great. Uh, it evolved to different incarnations since then. We have the classic TAE one. Uh, we had the 1964. The Brian, Brian has one of each. Uh, the 1964 was a luxury limited edition with a big uh, enclosure and some little details. But as far as I experimented, the original one was the best sounding unit. So we, we brought all the spirit back with same schematics, the same procedures, Every, everything is handmade uh, for the finish, it's laser engraved. I don't know if you can check it out, but it's on, engraved by laser. Nice, okay. Yeah, it's crazy, it's like laser engraved. Uh, all the details are being taken in good consideration. So uh, we released that, uh, became a, a huge success because we were uh, finishing the last uh, limited edition that we did with Blue Saracino. I don't know if you remember Blues, but it was we, after Brian May, he was my second big, uh, biggest influence. Oh, really? So we, yeah, we created as a Blue Saracino signature TAE preamp based on his uh, famous Dirty Boy amp. So I got in contact with his father, Alex, 
that was who uh, developed the Dirty Boy and for him. And we got the rights, we got the name, we got the, the tiny, bully, uh, punchy guy. Yeah. And we put the amp into a pedal and it was a blast. We sell them all and turn into uh, absolutely collectible pedal. Blues has a cup. Blues has four of them, in fact. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was crazy because we did it all without having access to the amp because the amp was in LA and we were in Europe, but we found clips, we found little info, we worked very hard and we put the Duty Boy amp into our preamp. So after that limited edition, we came with the 10th anniversary version, that is the one that I showed you, and we're working the next models, but this is selling cr like crazy. It's like between Queen Tribute Bands, studios, and this type of stuff. It's working very, very well. Wow, and, and what name, what brand name were you releasing those under? Uh, or uh, We have two companies. We have a company in Spain that produces tools that is called Toxic Prod. And we have this company, uh, Massive Unity. You can check it out. Massive Unity is based in Brighton. And, and it's a company uh, here. Oh, we have, uh, that way. Yeah, Massive Unity LTD. That is based in Brighton. And it's our company for uh, technology, consultancy services, and this type of stuff. Uh, so we release our own designs through Massive Unity or we uh, license them to third-party companies uh, today to manufacture and, and yeah, and selling and everything. Okay. And so, yeah, Massive Unity, T-A-E, uh, uh, 10th anniversary preamp. Nice, nice. I'm going to have to try and um, have a listen to some of those, uh, try and source some in Australia. There's probably not many of those in Australia. Um, Interesting you say Blue Saracino is um, a big influence. He's he's somebody that I used to see a lot in magazines when I was younger, but yep. I actually I have in recent times seen a few videos and yeah, great player. Awesome. He he was and he is and he moved from the guitar hero scene to the TV and film composer role. That is something that I like and respect and people can still enjoy his music through another channel i used to love him i have two or three of his guitar here's uh, his guitar here in my studio and having the chance of working with him and his dad that is again a crazy inventor like brian and his dad that wrote his own technology with when nobody could feel feel the necessity of them they brought something new so it's something in my in my style in a way so we brought the new that new blue saracino tae preamp and it was a blast and i was super proud and we met him at nam and he blind test the unit without no previous experience no previous nothing he tried the prototype and say hell yeah it sounds like the amp cool cool that's awesome so it was. omec okay that, that's what is a good omec story. what what is omec Okay, uh, Omec is a, se a 70s division from Orange. Orange Amplifiers, UK-based brand, Uber um, Maker. Yep. Uh, in the 70s, they released, believe it or not, the first digital amp ever, 
1975. Nobody knows about this, but... First digital, did you say? Yeah, digital amp. Wow. Digital, yeah, analog amp, digital managed uh, pods, but digital amp. Uh, they released under the Omic brand, Orange Music Electronic Company, Omic. Okay. So, uh, long story short, I will try to keep this short because it's quite long. But uh, six years ago, I became partially deaf this year, 30 dBs down in 1K. Oh, no. 1K, 30 dBs. Yeah. Horrible. So, I thought that I will, I will, yeah, I would never be touring again. So I decided how did, to design how did that something. Happen? How did that happen? Uh, no, nobody knows. It's no, no, some no, lab, sort of, lab music or lab guitar? No, 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 no music related. It was some kind of sort of infection or something okay. after the timpanis. So uh, I couldn't hear properly anything. Imagine that you play an F chord and you cannot hear the F. You're only hearing A and C. So instead of an F, F major, you're hearing an A minor. Oh, wow. That, that drama level. So I hate needles, believe it or not, I hate needles. <laughs> so I, I needed to, something to think about while I was connected to a machine trying to send some antibiotics to, to, my, to my left ear. So I dictated the schematics and the functions and everything to my wife, Martha, and say, okay, take this idea because I, I created something to play with my iPad at home well, I cry and remember the best, the best of times. Uh, we got that schematics, we did the prototype, and we moved to NAMM. We decided to go to NAMM to, to have some meetings and try to license this idea to a good company because I was sure that I could handle the TAE production because 500 units is something that you can do by your own in a way. But in order to bring these teleport, or well, it wasn't called teleport by then, but it was it was called the M1 N1, like Mini with M and N and two ones, the M1 N1 interface. Uh, we needed a big company that could mass produce it and sell them all over the world. So we went to NAM. We are that crazy Latin people, so we went to NAM and we went to attend meetings. And try to do some demo work, try to be well known by the companies. It's like, okay, we were invited by Fender, but the same day we got a meeting with Optima Strings to do some Brian May style demos for them. And we met Manson Guitars, the company that is now owned by, by Matt Bellamy. We met Manson Guitars team that recognized me because they uh, built me a Matt Bellamy guitar back to the day. And they asked me to do the unveiling of the Matt Bellamy, the core Matt Bellamy guitar. So I did the Matt Bellamy guitar unveiling for Guitar World, for all the, the media, with my prototype, Guitar World, with my prototype, with, that was crazy. But nobody seemed like interested in this tiny audio interface. I follow up, keep doing my thing. When I came back to Madrid, I said, okay, I will go to NAMI every year because everything happens there. Yep. And keep on with the woodwork, with the TAE, and trying to keep the, the M1, N1 audio interface as tiny as possible, we reduces its size. Yeah. And we came back to the NAND the year after that, I did a lot of demos, like 25 demos, it was crazy, but about my audio interface, 
everything was slowed down. After that same year, the Manson guitar team offered me to demonstrate the new Matt Bellamy guitars, the drone ones, the, the camo green ones. So I used that with my audio interface, everything went great, and we had an amazing dinner with all the orange stuff, uh, but Manson stuff, and it was chill and great. But after that, in February, I received a call to do the Birmingham Guitar Show with Manson Guitars. And while I was doing my demos for Manson Guitars, we, we met with the Orange team. We went for an amazing Indian dinner. We started chatting, and they said, well, we saw your demo. It was great. You played great. Thank you very much. Uh, you use our combos, but you didn't use our preamps. You're connected with something directly to the power amp. So you're using basically as power amp speakers. Why, why is that? You don't like our preamps or what? Say so you have any problem with that. I say, no, I have my own device and I use visual preamps with analog power amps. And say, oh, wow. That sounds good. And say, okay. Uh, why if you come back tomorrow to our booth and we have a chat about this? I'm all in. Thank you. And we have a chat. We change our business cards and everything. And a week after that, I receive an email inviting us to the Orange headquarters in London for a meeting with Orange CEO uh, Cliff Cooper, the founder and CEO of Orange. We had a meeting there, we, and we had an agreement for, uh, for licensing the idea to Orange Amplifiers, and that was it. And we, after that, we spent two years working together, polishing little details, preparing the marketing, getting artists on board, like Steve Vai received one, Brian May received one, uh, Guns N' Roses, uh, uh, Richard Fortune received one, many, 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 many more. And we, we prepare everything to be ready for that. We released that two years and a half ago. It went very well. It was super new. It was something mind-blowing in a way. Uh, because this class compliment you can use with Mac, PC, iOS, Android, whatever with an USB, with an USB connector, you go and work with every software available. And the good thing is being designed by a musician, for musicians, so uh, you have the right impedance, you have a buffer, you have a splitter, everything in this tiny box. Wow. So it, it can help you in many ways. Yeah. So after being working uh, on that for, a long, for that long time, it was kind of a relief to have it out. We spent the rest of that year working together, and the next Christmas, uh, they offered me to enroll officially as a consultant for the brand, sales, marketing, and RT relations consultant for Orange. And after one year working in that role, recently got offered to, to join the product manager position for, for Omic. So I'm a consultant at Orange, where everything is designed by Aid Emsley, the legendary Aid Emsley. So I'm consultant in Orange and product manager and designer, and designer at Omic at cool. the same time. Cool. Okay. Cool. So it's I just wanted to, I wanted to ask you about the teleport because you said that was designed as an interface so that you could use digital gear with the analog gear. Yeah. I first became aware of it only recently through Vladimir. Cat Pick Studios did a quick demo oh, wow. on it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. And, you know, you say you got it out to all these big people, right? And it's a small guy like Vladimir that brought <laughs> it to my attention. And he I love that. Vlad. He's, He's a cool dude. Um, and he was using it as a reamping interface. You can do that, yeah. I've tried reamping years before, and I had, you know, the radial DIs for the in and the out, but I was always cool. confused about the levels that I was hitting my amp at like when I was playing yeah. it back it's like how loud should I should I have this is this what the amp's expecting to see um, and that kind of put me off because I wasn't 100% sure that that was the same as me just plugging a, a guitar in with the teleport does that have an automatic adjustment of levels in so a, that in a way yeah in a, it, is, it is that well sweet that everything goes smoothly it's like okay you connect that to the output of your computer when you have the dry guitar, and it works. It's like right impedance and a buffer, so you're, you're not losing anything, and your amp is receiving what, it, what your amp is expecting. That is your question. So, yeah, it's that easy. Vladimir put that very well together on the video, yep. and it was that easy. I need one of these, man. <laughs> I need to get one of these. I actually, after I saw Vlad's video, I went and asked uh, one of the local music stores and they just looked at me and went, a what? And I was a like, what? oh man, it's Australia for you. They just... Well, anywhere in the world that that sells orange, they can get you one. For okay. you or to your, to your audience, audience, it's like not every distributor has all the product line and something legit, but they're able to get you anything in a okay, way. Okay, okay. So Omec Teleport, if you're looking for an easy to use solution, reamping is what I was interested in, but as you were saying, just a general in and out so that you can use analog front end with digital back end or vice versa. Or you can so get, you know, something for I use it a lot is to get polyphonic MIDI with no MIDI pickup through software. That is amazing. How? Ah, you like that one. Uh, using Jam Origin MIDI guitar, that is a software and an app. You can use it for your uh, computer and your laptop, uh, your computer or your iPad or wherever. So it turns digital audio into polyphonic MIDI. This is it. This is a need software. A software and an app. You can use it uh, for your laptop or for your uh, iPad or iPhone or wherever. Uh, but you need the right interface. If you use a general proposed interface, probably it won't be uh, turning, turning all your subtle nuances into MIDI. So technically you can use whatever audio interface you want because it's not linked directly to have a Omic Teleport unit. But if you have a unit with the right impedance and a buffer, you will get every little detail transferred to that. And I will did the best testing of the app, and I got some hidden gems into the app itself by my request. So there's a good, very good relationship with that brand. And I use that with the Omic Teleport, and it's amazing. Wow. Amazing. With amazing tracking, better than the Roland Picas, better than the, uh, the Fishman Triple Play. And the best thing is that it's, you don't need to install anything on your guitar because it works with your jack. Even better, you can get polyphonic MIDI w over a wireless unit. 
you can connect a wireless unit to your guitar and the receiver here, and you get polyphonic MIDI over a wireless. That is something that you cannot, simply you cannot do with the Roland or with the Fishman. Get the fuck out of here. Really, man? <laughs> really? So when I, when I came with the interface idea, I decided, okay, I will reach the best software companies and say, you know what? I have something that will take the ball out of the park. If you want to join me in this, leave me try your software and I will let you know if it works or not. I did that with Jam Origin, I, with that, I did that with Rolly, we did that with Amplitude, that if, when you purchase the Omec Teleport, you get Amplitude Custom Shop Orange CS Edition, so you get free virtual orange, uh, orange amps and caps, so for the ultimate bundle. So I tried everything with every software and prepared the Teleport to work the best with every software. It's like, okay, if you use, I don't know, positive grid bias, there's no way to get a better playing experience than using the Omic Teleport. Now I have another interface, it's great. Maybe you have a desktop interface. Maybe you have an amazing Apollo interface, but your Apollo interface is prepared to record whatever. I connect a voice, you're good. I connect a keyboard, you're good. I connect a guitar, you're good. But the Teleport is prepared to record guitars and basses other studio, on the road, whatever, it's powered with nine volts like in any other pedals. And it simply sounds better for guitar and bass. It simply sounds better because it's a guitar pedal. It's, and it's designed by a musician, designed by a guitar player, for guitar players. Wow. Man, when I play small shows, and I've got one, a typical, uh, one tomorrow night where, where I live, there's a lot of noise restrictions. Um, okay. and a lot of the small cover band gigs you're not allowed to use amps you have to use something direct mm -hmm. and I use an iPad with uh, BIOS effects and will that work with an iPad? Sure you, the, the demo that you see for Amplitude Brian May at NAMM that was the second day that I they asked me to use a laptop but the first day, I did exactly the same show with an Omec teleport and my telephone. At wow. NAMM. At NAMM. For YouTube, it's like, if you have, if you have any doubt about uh, if it's a reliable system, you won't use it at NAMM. With everybody seeing you there. And I use this rig for the NAMM, for the first day NAMM presentation of the amplitude VRAM I use these rig. Wow. And did you say it, it's nine volts? So does it run off a nine volt battery or do you have to use an external power supply? You have to use an external power supply in order to keep things great and absolutely noise free. Uh, yes, we recommend any uh, center negative, uh, like a boss adapter or wherever it works. Wow. Guess what I'm going to buy? very soon <laughs> I'm teleport yeah man I need one of those I thought I needed one as a reamping solution but so much more like I say yeah, I use the small gigs for the small rigs uh, that uh, just use an iPad that's my way of interfacing analog gear with that as well so I could feed the output of that 
directly to um, front of house rather than giving them that headphone output like I have been on my iPad. Is that right? Please do that. Please do that. Imagine when you're turning your amazing guitar gear, your amazing guitar, your amazing cables, amazing pedals and everything, and you're using a tiny interface connected through the headphones jack and all the analog to digital, digital to analog, <laughs> It's happening on your iPad nano chip. It's a shitty nano chip that is good for this. It's good for your, we are talking and we are listening to each other. We're good to go with that. But you're connecting, let's say, a $2,000 guitar to a $2,000 uh, uh, pedal board to a shitty nano chip where everything is done analog to digital and digital to analog. So. Imagine to do that through an amazing Texas instrument style chip on a professional grade pedal. It's a totally different experience. It's like you can turn the volume up and down. Imagine to, that you connect your, uh, your guitar directly to this. If you use the interface that you have now, you have all or nothing, gain or no sound. But if you use something that you can use your volume knob, you have Solo level, reef level, crunch level, clean level, or nothing. So it's a, it's a total different experience. You don't mm -hmm. have to use the mini jack uh, output anymore. You connect this to, to the lightning cable or wherever. It, it includes a USB cable, so you only need the camera adapter that Apple requires for everything. You connect that adapter, and you're good to go. You have a professional jack. You have two professional jacks out, and that's it. You only have to manage with cables that you know. You don't have to use mini jacks to RCA connectors and crazy yeah. things. Re rewind, rewind. Two, two jacks out? Is that a stereo out? Yeah. Well, it's better than a stereo jack because you can use it, you can use it depending uh, how you're programming your software, imagine. If you don't say anything to the software, it will be L on R. All right, you follow me? Yep. Okay. But imagine that you're using Jamorigic MIDI guitar and you pan the things, pan the things, and you can have your regular guitar here and your synths here. So it's not an stereo out anymore. You can have two mono outs with two different things happening on every uh, out. Imagine that you have your iPad and you have uh, audio bus. And in audio bus, you can pan things. You can create two different strips. One will be your guitar sound, and you can have amplitude via May feeling an amazing eventide reverb. Output one. Output two can be your regular guitar tone, guitar directly to the output two, and it can go to your amp. So you can have your regular amp, and at the same time, your virtual amp. So you can create a wet, dry, wet rig at no cost. Wow. So, but that would go through a digital conversion to spit it out yeah. the other side. Yeah. Yep. Which with good good converters now isn't such a big big issue, is it? Wow, uh, man. It, it is not at all. It's like, and we're talking about an inductive latency because latency is a chain, as you know. It, it doesn't depend on just one part of the chain, but we're talking about 3.4 milliseconds, as far as I remember, 3.4 milliseconds, that is 
nothing. I'm, Any, I'm anyway, I'm buying anyway, on a Monday. I'm buying anyway, on a Monday. If you, if you feel that you're suffering from latency, you can, for the first time ever, you can turn your interface on and off with a full switch uh, and see what happens. There's no latencies. Like you can have, you can imagine that you have your real amp. Amazing amp, your guitar and your amp. And you only want uh, to use a river, amazing river uh, app that costs, let's say, $10, but amazing river app. And you want that river app on your amp effects loop. You connect your send here and your return here. And you put the iPad on top of your amp. And when you need the river, you click, you have the river, you click, you don't have the river. So you have a virtual multi-effect unit on your iPad to be used in conjunction with your analog amp. So there, there are that many uses that sometimes people get confused because there are many things to do. You can do yeah. many, many things. That really does open up a lot of doors, man. That really does. Kudos it did to, to me. Kudos to you yeah. for, for inventing that, man. That is, that is awesome. Thanks, mate. It opens a lot of doors. To me, it opened the door to the first, to the Premier League. Imagine to me, I'm a self-taught musician, self-taught designer, and self-taught marketing, whatever, because I'm acting as a consultant, so people think that what I'm telling is valuable in a way. But I'm self-taught. Imagine to me to be working with such a team. And Orange Amplifiers, mate, it's like, to be honest, it's like. Wow, it's mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. It is to me. Every, every day I have to pinch myself and say, okay, it's real. I'm here in my studio, my incredible studio, uh, and spend half of the day playing the guitar, uh, developing new products, the, uh, my guitar course, and doing cool-related things. On the other half, working as a consultant and product manager for one of the biggest companies ever in this industry is like, it's amazing. I have no clue how it happened. It's like, to be honest, it's like. Congratulations to you, man. Congratulations to you. Yeah. You know, good things happen to good dudes. So you've done something uh, good. good I appreciate that. Yeah. Wow. Is there any other OMEC gear that you want to talk about? Now that we, you've just blown uh, my mind I'd with the teleport. I'd love to tell you about more more things, but I'm not allowed it by now. But you will be the second to know. Okay. Okay. As soon as I can. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay. I want to ask you. We've talked about the red special. What's your favorite yeah. guitar to play that you own? That's not a red special. That is not a red special. I have a, I have two or three of them that I really love them. Uh, I have a Stromberg uh, Bowden Original Six uh -huh. that I really like. It's great to study. It's great to be on tour. It's great to take it on the planes. It's great to take it to Nam. So Stromberg guitars are amazing. Ole Stromberg is a master and a total reference. So since I got that guitar, I've been trying to implement more and more technology inside of it. Being a tiny guitar, uh, to be able to put more and more and more technology inside of it uh, is my goal right now. Okay. Um, I've never played a Stromberg. Does it take much to get used to that neck? No. no. It's like two minutes, two, three minutes. 
Have you got it there? Like, if people don't know what I mean, have you got it just there that you can show people? Yeah, you want you yes, want please. to check it? Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Give me a second. Yeah. Um, so, those that don't know, a Strandberg neck is kind of squarish, hexagonal, twisted, like you're about to see right now as Danny comes back. Here we are. Okay. Very strange shape, but very ergonomic, I assume. Like, would be very comfortable. Yeah, this cut, this cut is ready to be on your lap if you want. So you can have your lap here or your lap here. Yeah. Cool. Can basculate. Uh, aside that, it's pretty standard. It's like if you don't see this big cut, if you imagine a regular body shape, it's a regular body shape. It's like it could be, I don't know, something like a VGA guitar or some Ivanes guitar in a way. So if you imagine this uh, non-cut body, it could be something really standard. Uh, the non-headstock is something that I really like it. And the back of the neck, that is something that we've been talking about. Now you see with the reflection. Yeah. The end of the neck. It's like half a hexagonal shape yeah exactly and why is this as you can check it is moving all around from the middle position to the upper register position so it's not in the middle all the time that is made to force in a good way your hand to be moving its position as you can check you cool. see yeah yeah here here is prepared to to do this this thing to get an amazing access to don't having to force it in any way. And this way is on top to be ready for chords and uh, this type of thing. I really mm -hmm. like this guitar, really, really like it. Especially this model, that is the model that started everything, the, the original. Okay, awesome. Roasted maple, yeah. Luminar uh, side dots, so it's great yep. for live shows. Yep. Uh, good pickups, yeah, they're great. Is my second best. It's like I have these. I have two or three red specials here with me. I have a couple of blue Saracino guitars, and that's it. I don't have a big collection, and I don't have like uber expensive things. I have things that I use, and that's it. Yep. Mm. I'm still hunting for that one special guitar myself, man. Um, yeah. I might spend a bit of money and get something really nice, but yeah, I've, I've got a few behind me there. You probably see. Oh, that's my main, my main. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, I'll tell you what, I do play a lot. I don't oh. know if you've ever seen these. This. Ooh, never saw that. There is an oh, wow. amplifier. helped if I tuned it but there's an amplifier built into that oh wow and preamp effects uh, there's a, a new uh, updated uh, control section of that coming out real soon this is what I use around the house all the time electrophonic is the company in, oh, wow. um, in LA that make these and this one is called the guitar Modillo based on their model one it's got a scratch proof um, coating on it oh wow and I had a friend over today 
and we were just blowing out how low the action and everything is on it. It's this is what I play around the the house. I would really like to get one of these without the electronics that I could just use at gigs. But other than that, I'm a Strat guy. Yeah, love my Strats. And love it, mate. Yeah, that's a really cool guitar, man. Um, it is. Yeah, something different. I like it when people come up with new things, you know, and. The, the concept of having an app built into a guitar is not something new. I had one of those Fernandezes back in the 90s and it was yeah. terrible. Uh, but that is like a really nice playing guitar with amp, uh, stereo effects, and yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It actually has an input on there so that you can play uh, your smartphone, play backing tracks through it. Okay. So you could do a, a small gig and that I have to take completely yeah. my kind of thing. Yeah, I live uh, in a little shopping center, and there's a cafe just downstairs. And I'd love to just go down there and use my phone to play backing tracks and just jam. Sit in the corner. Don't need to bring a PA. It's enough. It's loud enough to fill the room. It's it's really oh, loud. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Really, yeah, really cool those. Yeah. But Strandberg, I really want to try one of those. Um, earlier on, we had a. a a um a question from i'm not sure if he's still watching pete trykovsky who wanted to know what gear have you regretted selling uh i used to have a, a relic red special i really love it that one and very relic yeah was it no, relics no was it relics based on brian's red special like to be the same it was based in the Back to the Light era that was almost destroyed in that era. So I ordered a very special unit with all the damages that showed at the, at the Back to the Light era. That was the first time that I actually see the guitar in front of me in real life. Cool, cool. It was cool. Yeah. Man, um, have, you, have you ever played the real Red Special? No, I never played that. I, I handled that these way for a minute. Really? Yeah, that's it. I'm trying to think who it was. I've talking to somebody who said, "Oh man, I've played it, and it's a pig." <laughs> apparently, I never had the chance. I really, the, I really hope to do that. Someday. Apparently, the neck is wider than on the Brian May brand. Special, red special. It is, it is. I, I had two or three different uh, red specials all over the years with the original neck, original measures, and everything. And it's a baseball bat. I really love it, but it's a baseball bat. Mm. I don't mind a big neck. Uh, I got used to the, the, the wider one because I had the, the Brian May red special when I was doing the Queen show. And I got used to the, the wideness and using the coin. It's just. You get used to anything, you know. Some people say, yeah. "Oh no, I like the skinny neck or I like the fat neck." I think it all. You can adapt to anything. Yeah, like that crazy. I, I, really, I really like big necks, and I think that it helps with the tone. It transfers better. It's like a highway. Speaking of tone, uh, I, I didn't ask you what gauge strings you were using uh, on the red special. Yeah. Uh, the rest, but the original used to have eight to thirty-two or something like that. Yeah. Later, Brad moved to nine to forty-two. That are the ones that he used right now. The signature Optima uh, set, and I used ten to forty-six. 
Okay. I, uh, I tried eights for the first time recently. Uh, I, I uh, struggled with a bit of tendonitis over the last few years and a friend of mine gave me a set of eights to try because I tried his guitar one day and just went, man, this plays really well, but the action's not that low. And he goes, yeah, eights. And uh, he, he's a little bit older than me and he said, oh, everyone back in the 70s, man, we all used eights. And... Um, I don't think the tone suffered like I thought it would, and it was super easy to play. If I could find more sets of eights around here, I'd probably still use them. I, I, I'm really tempted to move the red special from tens to nines, uh, but I need to think about it a little bit more. Yeah. Maybe I will move one of them to nines and I will think about it. Yeah, I think nines is that, that happy medium. That's what I've, I think. I've, yeah, I've just gravitated back towards. Um, I've still been chasing a a Strat style guitar with a Floyd Rose again. I've been wanting to get. Um, well, I I hate Floyd Rose. I, I cannot play with that. Oh really? Yeah, it's something animal. It's like I really hate the the micro tuner things on my hand. It's like oh my god, or change the strings or whatever. I suffer a lot. For me, a big part of why I want one for my, my gigging guitar is that if you break a string, you can just put it back on because yeah. you cut the ends off and they, 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 they bolt in. Yeah, so I don't really rust strings very much. My sweat isn't very acidic, so my strings last a long time, especially if I'm using elixirs. And if I break them on a normal one, it's like, oh, man, that was, yeah, where do I get another... Floyd Rose, just put it back on. Yeah. So yeah, but I really want to try a Strandberg like you got there, man. That looks so cool, and I Ooh. really want to get a Red Special again. I kind of regret selling my one, so um, that might be something. Speaking of um, Amplitude and the um, the Brian May collection that they've got there, uh, there's another company that makes a bit of a knockoff of the Brian May Red Special that were about to send me one of their guitars and I was going to do a demo. I was going to put on the wig and everything and get into character, use a green screen. I've got a big green screen there and do a demo using the Amplitude um, pack but of that particular brand. But they were, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're sending it, sending it. You should get the thing from the shipping department. And I just chased them up recently and they said because of COVID that um, that's really they can't ship anything at the moment, so that's a shame. And what, what is that? What is that company? Um, Harley Benton. Ah, oh, Harley Benton. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They they have a the BM seventy five, yes. bit of a knockoff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I never played it, but um, yeah, they, they were sending one for me to do a demo of. Um, they're very YouTuber friendly in terms yeah. of. Um, do a good demo for them. I, I did send them some of my other work and they went, hell yeah, we'll like one of those, please. Um, Great. Yeah, but unfortunately, they're not just not shipping at the moment because of the whole COVID situation. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, that's unfortunate. There's a few things out of Germany I haven't been able to get lately because of that, but that's, that's these times, man. That's these times. Danny, is there exactly. anything else you want to you want to mention uh, while I have you here, folks? If anyone's watching there and wants to ask any questions, now would be a good time to speak now or forever hold your peace. 
Uh, <laughs> I think that we cover pretty every basis. I feel wow, it's quite a trip. It's like when when I have uh, these kind of interviews is when I took I consci- I'm conscious again about how this twenty plus twenty five years trip has been. It's like ooh, it's it's quite a trip. No, I think I only want to say thank you for having me and thanks for your interest and your time and bring me back to why I started everything because otherwise you keep on movement and you probably forget about why did you started with this thing in the first place, if yeah. it makes any sense. Like, yeah. And you stop and spend, I don't know, one, one hour, two hours talking with a new friend uh, you are not connected to the original, uh, yeah, idea of of playing the guitar. It's like, okay, why I started? Okay, I started this way, and what gear? Okay, I use this gear. Uh, otherwise, you leave, just leave the day, and yeah. you tend to forget about the important things. So, thank you very much. Well, Danny, as, as I said to you before we started, I, I don't prepare questions going into these. And I said to you, I have a, a whiteboard on my lap. And as you're talking, I take notes so that <laughs> I ask you questions about what you're already talking about. Uh, that way it goes into and it goes a bit deeper than what you might have, have thought. And you start to remember those things. Uh, but thank you so much for your time, folks. If you if you're listening to this um, or if you're watching this, on YouTube and you want to listen to it on a podcast. I've just hooked up everything so that you can find me on all the usual podcasting sites. Vice versa, if you are listening to this on a podcast and you'd rather see our faces as we do this, um, jump on over to uh, YouTube, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Rick Hollis is where you will find me. I would really appreciate it if you subscribed over there and hit the notification bell. That way you know when we're doing these live and you can ask us uh, questions in the um, chat room. I see Jay's still there from the UK Foo Fighters. If you guys are into the grunge, go back and watch a few episodes back because I had Jay from UK Foo Fighters with John from um, Nirvana Tribute and Mikey and Matt from Outshined, the 90s grunge tribute. That was a really cool episode. So you'll find all those. You'll find them either on my YouTube podcast. We're around. Finish it off. I'll say thank you again. I've got my end button. And when I hit the end button, it goes like this. You ready, Danny? Let's do it. Yeah. One, two, three. Bye.